Wizard World Chicago 2006. Did he use Man Man? Man had a bit of 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 a This is Stan Lee speaking. Hey, who made you a disc jockey, Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby. By the way, Jack, the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? 
Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw a bald headed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Bullpen Bulletins podcast, a celebration of all things Marvel. I'm David Price, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, the vivacious Vince B. Trapped in a world I never made. How you doing, Vince? (laughs) What's up, buddy? How are you? Doing good. Excellent. Yeah, well, it's that time again for our monthly preview special. And for those of you keeping score at home, we are using the Marvel Previews Catalog, issue 38, for books shipping in December with the amazing Jim Chung, Iron Man and Captain America Casualties of War one-shot. And this is one of those rare covers that sticks with you. I mean, that is one hell of a powerful cover. Do you think? Oh, absolutely. It, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with, with Chung's work on Young Avengers and I mean in, in all the images all the covers all the pinups what have you I've seen him do everything always looks great it's almost meticulous I mean beaten Cap standing over a more beaten and battered Iron Man which is you know as it should be you know I'm, I'm thinking about how we were uh, we were describing Texas style last week when we were talking about the bargain bin books and we were talking about how how he uses a lot of like realistic poses, even if the the action being done isn't so realistic. And Iron Man's in a suit of armor, so I can I can believe him laying there like that. The way Cap is just posed, it's not so. I can see this. I can see somebody standing like it's believable to me. No, it's not forced at all. It's completely natural. Yes. Yeah. The composition is dead on. The way the smoke curls up and leads your eye around and. And the the strong diagonal and the I mean you feel the heat coming from that that his chest plate. You know Chung's stuff for Cross Gen on the Scion book was really strong, but either he's been really throwing himself into his work or he's just found a a comfortable groove because he, this stuff is light years better than the Cross Gen stuff, and the Cross Gen stuff no, was really solid to begin with. I mean look at the hexagons. In Cap's armor, that is really yeah. nice. Yeah, and just the desperation on his face, and that's a fantastic image. I love it. The One smoke of, isn't so thick where you can't see Cap's fingers from from from, right. the, from the left hand. One of the strongest covers I've seen in a long, long time. I, I would rather see this as a poster than the Illuminati cover, which is a nice image, but nowhere near as strong as this. You know, there we go. It's on the inside front cover. It's a decent cover. It's almost like it's you know, Jim Chung month. I think Black Bolt's tuning fork's a little tiny. I hope he hasn't <laughs> had shrinkage problems. But and I, I'd go to go back on, to the cover. I love the way they snuck their signatures in on that little piece of rubble. Yeah, that's that is so nice. I, I do enjoy when when the I I used to love having the search for this, especially on a John Byrne cover. I might even know. I can always tell when he's done a cover, but to look for his. His scribble, the big B and the Y and the R and E, and I'd always look through rubble. Mm-hmm. I'd have to like just go crazy looking for for the artist initials. And you know, sometimes it was initials, sometimes it was a full name, sometimes it was this huge signature. It's but like, when it's part of the artwork, I really like that. Yeah, it's like Simonson, find the dinosaur. Oh, where's Waldo? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you gotta lo- you gotta love that brontosaurus that Simonson always did. Oh, that's classy. Yes. Yeah, let's jump into this before we have another uh, four hour marathon session here. We'll start off with the Dark Tower, 
the sketchbook. It's a freebie. I think that's about what I'd pay for it. Photoshop filters do nothing for me. That's what that cover is. That's just a, a quick, down-and-dirty Photoshop filter applied to uh, Jay Lee's original artwork. And Hey, if it sells the book, more power to him, but yeah. Okay. And on the facing page, who, boy, you got the John Romita Jr. 30th anniversary special. Now, I, I really don't think there's a, a doubt in my mind that I'm getting this, especially when you look at who's doing the cover. Old Daddy. Good old Pops. Yeah. Even though there's a little reprints in there, I think the main story is probably going to make up for it because John's the best there is at what he does in normal situations. And when he's got a book that's celebrating his 30th anniversary, you know the guy's going to put all all he can into it. Oh, yeah. And I think it's uh, written by Neil Gaiman. Yes, it is. So The short story is, yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 11. That's his first Marvel work. And I remember that pretty vividly because his art in a lot of ways resembled his father back then. But when you think about the number of obstacles that Romita Jr. has overcome in the course of his career, it's almost this superhuman effort on, on the part of this guy. He was born to probably one of the most loved and and most revered comic book artists of all time. I mean, there's no understating the impact of his father. The guy is a master at what he does. And to not only come out from underneath that, what must be an oppressive shadow, I mean, your father's one of the greats, and yet he managed to foster a style that is nowhere near that of his father's. He he he, he found this unique voice for his art that's incredible to think about that it just boggles my mind how far this guy has come you could say his art is kind of kirby-esque in some spots and i'll you know i i can't doubt that it is it's very kinetic but i think where it resembles kirby's artwork in that it taps into that same creative wellspring that jack tapped into and i think john's the only other one to do it his work is totally unique, totally Ramita Jr., and man, I can't wait for this book. I like his style now, but I, I really did like his early style. His style from like the early Amazing Spider-Mans around you know, 225, 230 issue era, and maybe because it was a hybrid of, of him trying to not really ape his father's, but kind of coming to his own. And it, it was just, I, I liked those images I saw of Spidey, of Peter Parker, of, of Aunt May, of, of the supporting cast. And sometimes his, his work can look a little frenzy and blasphemy. I, I, I know, I know. I, I think his Eternals work right now is amazing. I mean, it really does look great. I, I like the old stuff and, and I am, I am getting it if only to remember what the amazing Spider-Man annual number 11 was like. And I remember when an up and coming artist would be given a story in an annual just so they can get their feet wet mm-hmm. instead of instead of either just you know putting them in the middle of an arc in uncanny x-men or or amazing or just you know instead of just here and throwing them out there where thousands of people are going to read it and it's sink or swim you know give it give it to an annual most cases back then 30 years ago they were done in one stories the annuals really didn't pick up where an issue left off or, or continue into the regular series there was just another story that month they either have gotten away from that i think they should i at the the annuals 
not so much one shots, not so much mini series. I think annual should be brought back, if only to spotlight or give a chance to a new creator. The annuals were the original Marvel tryout books. You always saw new talent on the annuals, and I think because of that, that's where they got their bad rap. Because for every good artist you had, you had maybe four or five ones that really weren't up to snuff and right. shouldn't have been doing it. You'll, I guess, you'll have this. Yeah. And then we have Ultimate Fantastic Four number thirty-seven, and it's no secret that I am attracted to the work of Pascal Ferry. A little bit of a man crush. Yeah. And Mike Carey's been doing a real good job on this as well. I think the Seed 19 group, they're a nice, diverse bunch of interesting, well-drawn characters. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. Sue's face looks a little wonky on that cover, but maybe he was under the gun. It's possible. That's very nice uh, otherwise, but that that, uh, maybe... I'm going to bet that that's going to be touched up a little before publication okay all right the colors are just amazing i I mean the the colors have been doing a phenomenal job in the issue too you are correct sir and and then you kind of go from from hey we really like him to oh god not again um ultimate power number three of nine of long nine long long months this is the third cover and i think this is the third time hyperion looks different I, I don't know. He looks like... Now he's supposed to look like maybe it was photo reference from some Irish gangster. I don't know. I, you know what I'd Spider- like to Spider-Man see? and Nighthawk look great, though. Oh, yeah. You know what I'd like to see? I would love for someone to create a series that has no basis in reality. Something like Larry Martyr's Tales of the Bean World. Okay. And give it to Greg Land and see what he does with it. I mean, he'd probably... He wouldn't know what to do because he can't photo reference anything. Just just like this, maybe the adventures of an amoeba in like amoeba land and everything looks okay. this this goofy shit. He'd never be able to do it. <laughs> Poor bastard. Yeah, I, it looks like Wolverine's missing an eye there. Maybe he swallowed it. The, the shadows cannot be that deep in an eye socket. It's just not possible when the rest of the face is is not that dark. And how did how did Scarlet Witch raise her hand up without hitting Arcana or her boob fall out? That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Wouldn't mind seeing that. It kind of looks like Spidey is riding on I'm, I just talk about stiff. Here's hoping the story's good. Oh, I'm sure it will be. With Bendis on the first three and Millar's on the second three, I think, right? Oh, I, I, see, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a rotating artist. Yeah, uh, creators. there's three different writers for this. Excellent. Yes. And, you know, I wish I knew what the third one was. Maybe Straczynski? There you go. You took it right out of my mouth. Hey. What a guy. Ultimate Spider-Man 103. I've said it before and I say it again. If you're not reading this, you are missing out on some good stuff. Now, not to shortchange Bagley, who is a, a fantastic penciler in his own right, but the reason, in my opinion, why this cover is so damn successful is because of Richard Eisenhoff. Okay. He's a different color artist than, say, Maury Hollowell or Laura Martin, where you see the results of their labors, but you can't really discern the process. Where in Isenov's work, you see brush strokes. It's so rich. It's this organic look. I mean, look at the face on the uh, Peter Parker on the lower right. Look at the okay. texture in the in the shirt. The way yeah. the the stitching is, and the his his hand. Look at the, the the brush strokes in his hand. That is some awesome color art. You are right. And the muscles in the uh, the black suited Spidey. Yeah. Just, he's just incredible. 
His his light and shadow is impeccable. I'd agree with that. And if you saw the preview images for Mike Diodato's Thunderbolts work, Richard Eisenhoff can even make Diodato look good. That's a, a crack colorist. This is the downer show, in case anybody doesn't know. Oh, and we're just in the ultimate section. I'll tell you, issue 12, I thought it was just outstanding. But there was a number of criticisms online because they said it took so long and it was basically one big fight and it was all style over substance. I mean, what do you want out of a comic book? Look at the detail in that image of the Hulk smashing the uh, Crimson Dynamos. It's just... It's larger than life, widescreen chaos. That's what the Ultimates is. I, I love that it's part seven of six. Oops! Reminds <laughs> me of the original Punisher miniseries. <laughs> How it was only supposed to go four, and they went five. They go to five, right? I mean, at least Ultimates two number thirteen is forty-eight pages. So. Yeah, and it's good to see Alan Davis on a big-selling book. Hey, hey, hey! I'm so sorry. That's right, he is going to be on a big selling book because we're going to get to Fantastic Four the end soon. <laughs> Ultimate Vision, number one. See, now, this is where we can dredge something up from last episode with that George Perez crappy-ass X-51 cover. Yeah, <laughs> If you want to do data or computer-esque type graphics, that's a nice way to do it. It's not battling with the foreground image. She's She's in your face, larger than life. Oh, boy. Yeah, it looks like they do touch on your comment from the second episode. Right. Um, we see somebody say that the Vision construct seems to be wearing a female body matrix now. So maybe it'll be explained why. At least they didn't just draw the Vision as a female just for the sake of drawing her as a female. Right. She's designed for two things, communication and propulsion. And I guess to communicate, she's got to get your attention, so... I guess she's got to talk to a lot of men. That's one way to do it. But why does a robot need high heels? What look like sawed-off high heels, but they're still. You think she would be wearing flats? She wants to be tall. I don't... uh, You know why she wears high heels? To push that lovely metallic rump up in the air, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Brandon Peterson, that's some fantastic art. Yes, it is. Very nice. Very detailed. The line is a little bit stiff and kind of mechanical consider the subject so yeah. I, I guess it works yeah definitely yeah. very nice coloring too yes I love the reflection of the the electricity in her in her um, cans <laughs> very diplomatic very nice as politically correct right yeah and he's pretty good with the space scenes too which is very difficult to do true because it's just a lot of black <laughs> Vince, David, do you know who I am? I am the angel of death. I am Greg Land. And if you boys don't stop dragging my name to the mud, well, I, I don't know, I'm going to nail your cocks to the wall with my pencil. Dig, man, Excelsior, out. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 15. I'll tell you, Peter David has been doing an excellent job on this series. The last one I read featured not one but three different Mysterios. Oh. Yeah, it's really cool. 
it's bringing you know a little bit of the Civil War in there. Not much, just a tad. Good old-fashioned, fun Spider-Man stories. I like it a lot. Okay. That Scott Eaton image with the vulture is really nice, but I think Peter's wearing his corset a little bit too... Oh, a little too tight? Yeah, my mistake. Look at the book. There's a book there. Yeah, bad, bad placement of that book. He may still be a little top-heavy overall. When I think Spider-Man, I think Ultimate Spider-Man. The skinny, scrawny, very yeah. athletic... Peter Very Parker. So. Yeah, that's a little too buff for me. It's, it does. It, it looks nice, though. It's I still mean, it's, a nice it's, image. It's, it's a nice line. It's good line work. Everything Absolutely. Looks pretty, pretty good. Yeah, no question what's going on in that image. Not at all. Moving over look, to... Look, look, looks like Dev got some collagen implants, though. Yeah, that's all right. Look at them lips. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Oh, I see. I was... Oh, I thought you said... <laughs> I said collagen, buddy. You might have to get it. She got the DSLs going on. <laughs> Okay, moving on to Sensational Spider-Man 33. If there was ever a book that captures that Peter Parker spectacular Spider-Man from the 80s feel, it's Aguirre Sacasa's Sensational. It just has that giddy, throw-every-villain-at-Spider-Man type uh, riff, like the Will-o'-the-Wisp has appeared. No kidding? Yeah. Black Cat's in there, the Puma recently. A tarantula. Tarantula. Oh, no. See, unless you okay. know something that I don't know. It's just an old-fashioned Spider-Man free-for-all, and it's it's really good. And Angel Medina has been on it past couple issues, and his black cat is sweet. No kid. And she's back to the low-cut uh, front to the cast. Remember there for a while? They had her kind of obscured. Yeah. The first time I saw the way Bagley drew her. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> and the cover's by Clayton Crane. Talk about organic. Very much so. Look at that image. Aunt May's not looking too good lately. Well, she's getting old and she's worried about her nephew. Yeah, that's the thing, though. You see Aunt May in Amazing, and Garney draws her, I would say, in her 60s. This Aunt May, she's looking a little lady in there. Yeah. And which contrasts with the way Ringo draws her. In the issues of Friendly Neighborhood he's worked on, she's looking about maybe 65, if that. It's just, right. let, let's get a, a model sheet for Aunt May and let's stick to it. That's because right. this woman is, she's got the picture of Dorian Gray up in the attic, I think. <laughs> Looks to be a lot of emotion going on in that cover, too, because I don't know if if Peter's trying to scream, if he is screaming, if he's letting out a yell. If his jaw's broken. There you go. Yeah. It's just, it's there's, there's something going on in that cover that the more it leaves up to your imagination, the, the, the freakier it might be. That's a creepy-ass image. Yeah. And I'm really interested to see who the woman in is, is in the next issue, because last issue That's what I'm saying. was Mary Jane. This issue, it's Aunt May. Who is in the next one? Could it be Black Cat? I think that's who you were thinking about right. before. Because she has been playing a pretty large role in this book over the past, maybe, say, five, six issues. So it could be Felicia. When Mary Jane finally bites the big one at the end of the Civil War, at least they'll have somebody to snuggle up to. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really pleasantly surprised this week. I picked up uh, Amazing Spider-Girl number zero. I had no knowledge of the book at all. And it was just a series of text pieces made to look like May Day's diary. Okay. Of her, you know, the chronicling her her adventures. And it seems really interesting. So I'm going to start picking it up with the first issue. 
I ordered number three through DCBS. So I'll pick up the one and two at the local comic shop and then start from three with, with those guys. Okay, let me know how they are. Ron Friends may not be the most stylistic or extravagant artist he out there. He gets the job done. He no. does. It's I love his work. It's like a little time capsule. It takes me back. I, I just realized now as I'm about to say this that this doesn't apply to everybody, but The Amazing Spider-Man is Marvel's flagship title. You can't just be anyone and have a run on Amazing Spider-Man. And Ron Friends had a great run. He gave us the black costume Spider-Man. He had a great run on Amazing. He had a great run on Thor. Ron Friends has done a lot of the characters in the Marvel U. He's good at what he does. His Thor run was great. It really was. Mm-hmm. And he seems to work really well with Sal Bushima. Oh, yeah. Sal's master. And I don't disagree with you when you say amazing or just say the spider titles or their flagship books. That's apparent. You can't deny that. And I don't think they should be. I think Fantastic Four should be the flagship title. They should work extra hard to make Fantastic Four the all-star title of Marvel. It should be a given. You should not put a schlub on Fantastic Four. There should never be a fill-in issue on that book. It was the first Marvel title that ushered in the whole Silver Age explosion at Marvel. It should be the top-shelf, primo, best creators in the business should be working on Fantastic Four. I mean, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And if you don't agree with me, post it on the forum. BullpenBulletinsPodcast.com. Come on. And let us know what you think should be the flagship title. Yeah, because I'm not an authority on these things. I like to think I am. But if you have a different opinion, get that sucker out there and let your voice be heard. We're always, always in the mood to talk on the forum. Absolutely. My place of employment pays me eight hours a day to talk on the forum. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say nothing. Spider-Man Reign, number one of a four-issue miniseries. Art by Kari Andrews. That's a bleak-looking cover. Written by Kari Andrews, which is really interesting. That piques my interest because I know he's very good with the paint, with the ink, but what can this guy do with words? He seems to have a very... I never really noticed it until these preview pages. He has a very Tim Sale-esque line. Yes. You know what I see in these pages? I see Frank Miller from Electra Lives Early Again. Dared, okay. And a little Scott Collins. I can I can kind of see that in, yeah. in some of the... Because the, yeah. the line doesn't vary much. It's the same thickness the whole way through. That's typical of Scott Collins. Not Frank Miller, though. Frank liked to mix it up. He would, he'd push the thicks and, thick and thins, but... Collins, yeah, he's got a pretty even line, and that's what I'm seeing here. Very the same line with the whole thing. Maybe once or twice he'll get a little thicker around the shadow areas, but not much. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really looking forward to this book. I love the page where the guy's flying through the air. That yeah. white, that white space is awesome. He seems to do his job well. He's not looking too good on the bottom of that page, huh? No, definitely seen better days. He must have hit a watermelon. <laughs> Lay down a bunch of pack, ketchup packets. <laughs> Who put that? <laughs> Annihilation number five. I'm really digging Annihilation so far. Yeah, I read the first issue, and I have to, uh, I believe I have to pick up the next two. And uh, what I read, I liked. I'm interested in seeing where they're going with these characters. Giffen seems to be having fun, and I, I, I like DeVito's artwork. And, and the covers haven't been too, yeah. too, too shabby. I'm a big fan of the cosmic characters, and it's so good to see 
Thanos back to being the, well, there's only one way to say it, the devious prick that he is. I'm thinking Thanos without the whole, uh, without all the headgear and everything. Uh, I'm thinking that's not going to last too long. Probably not. This, um, But it still looks kick-ass. Right. And see, I wanted to say something about the second issue, but I can't because you didn't read it. Go ahead. There's a double-page splash at the end of the second issue. It's just incredible. There's a group called the Centurions, and what they are is they're the best and the strongest warriors from every planet that the Annihilation Wave has plundered, and they're all under Annihilus's thrall. This explosion of characters at the end, and they're, they're barreling down on someone. I won't ruin it completely for you, but there's a million and one different types of aliens on this double-page spread. It's just it's a, it's such a geek-out moment. You cannot believe it. You're going to love the second <laughs> issue. Very cool. Irredeemable Ant-Man number three. Did you read the first one? Not yet. It's so, waiting for me at the shop. So much fun. I'm in, I'm in with it this. It has to be. Yeah, it's really good. And I'll tell you, it's not a quick read. Very dialogue heavy. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. Phil Hester's art is probably the best I've ever seen it. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. And you can't go wrong with Robert Kirkman. He's very comfortable with this character because he seems very real to me. The dialogue he's written for him and just the things he does. and It's a cool little book. Neat. Can't okay. say much about the logo, though. I think they got to work on that. It says, Irredeemable Ant-Man. It's supposed to look like the little Ant-Man is casting the big Ant-Man shadow, the text. Okay. And it's just not working. It's not working okay. for me. But, I mean, if that's the only complaint I got. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the logo's not good. And in, in contrast, the Beyond, number six of six, the big finale. It's over. I love the logo treatment for the Beyond. Oh, yeah, that's great. There's no mistake in that book when you look at it on the stands. So and much fun. Mr. McDuffie, future writer of Fantastic Four, is going to wrap Yay. this up. And one of my favorite artists, Mr. Scott Collins. I love the characters. I love seeing Deathlock back. The The plot is so cool. Dragon Man kicked the shit out of them. That was great. And the art's fantastic. I don't know. Is this a new costume for Medusa? Did Collins design that? Cause I, I'm thinking that. I kind of like it. I think it's an improvement over what we're used to seeing her wear in the Inhumans. Um I've enjoyed her in the book. The Hood's a prick. Craven impressed me in issue three when he went looking for uh, Peter, or when he sniffed Peter, or yeah. who, he, who he thought. We won't we won't spoil anything. I, I thought the last page was pretty neat, and it kind of fit being the whole uh, Beyonder Battle World type type story. I love the fact that Deathlock can heal with the, yes. li- the little nano machines. That is yeah. very cool. Yeah, I mean, and and he he refuses to kill. You know, he wants to know what the outcome is going to be, what what the chances of the outcome are going to be, even more so without any killing. But you, you know what I miss? There's not that banter with Deathlock and the computer like there used to be. I kind of miss that, where he'd, he'd actually talk to the computer, like it was someone standing next to him, like, hey, Pewter, what am I going to do here, you know? That, yes. that was That's what I remember the most about Deathlock, back from, you know, Marvel Team-Up. That was the thing that stuck with me from that. That that issue was, you know, this guy's got another person living in his head. Yeah, and you don't see much of that that little banter in this series. I'd sacrifice that for what we got. 
we found out a couple of things in the third issue. It's it's been a fun ride. I'm kind of bummed it's only six issues, but uh, I'm sure Mr. McDuffie got to tell the story he wanted to tell in these issues, and uh, and I, I, I for one, look forward to him on the Fantastic Four. Yeah, same here. And this is another one of those books where, and this is another one of those books where the color art is just as important as the penciler, because a lot of the reasons why Colin's art is so successful is when he's teamed up with a really good colorist, like on the Beyond, and you'd never know who it was because once again, Marvel only gives you. Writers and pencilers. <laughs> yeah, they do. But if you have the issues, you know who it is. And I was surprised because I haven't seen the man's name in the credits box in a while for any of the books that I currently read. Why don't you tell them who that is? That's Mr. Paul Mounts. That's right. He's been doing it a long, long time. And you yeah. can you can tell. The, the guy has his chops. Absolutely. Ex- exceptional. I think Marcos Martin... Has got Paul Smith on the brain with this Doctor Strange miniseries. I love those faces all around them in the background. Yeah, that is a really nice image. And I wonder what that dance move is that good old Doc Steven is doing. But, he's, uh, he's doing the the jerk. <laughs> <laughs> with his little fist. It's it's it's. I can't wait to get the first issue. I'm, um, I'm really mu- looking forward to the series. What kind of music you think Stephen Strange listens to? I, I don't know. Maybe those old crooners? Maybe some swingers? Or you think it's some ska? Maybe some Mighty Mighty Boston? That's what I'm some, thinking Maybe here. some Sublime? He doesn't, he doesn't look like a, uh, a jazz man. No, no, uh, I don't see him as a jazz man. Maybe the blues? Oh, I can't operate on no one no more. But I <laughs> can't. <is> me. <laughs> Clee, come back. <laughs> you want to do Winter Soldier? Hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Winter Soldier, Winter Kills, One Shot. You know, the only thing missing is the Winter Special tagline on it. It's Ed Brubaker. It's a Captain America-related story. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really enjoying what Mr. Brubaker has done with the Bucky character. We haven't seen a lot of him. And what we have has been, you know, wham, bam, and, and he's in and he's out. And he does the job. And, and in the conclusion to um, 21st Century Blitz, he and Cap pretty much, you know, quote-unquote, save the day. And then Cap turns around and, and Bucky's gone. There's like Bucky Channel... Batman there for a second where Commissioner Gordon turns around and he ain't there. What's really got me intrigued, though, is the Lee Weeks art in this special issue. Lee Weeks was great on Daredevil. He seems to follow John Romita Jr. a lot. He, he had a great run on Daredevil. He had a, a, a great run on The Hulk with Bruce Jones following John Romita's run. Right now he's doing the Atlantis storyline that Paul Jenkins is writing in Civil War Frontline, so everybody does get to see the man's work a couple times a month in Marvel's big event right now. I like Lee Weeks. I like The Winter Soldier. I like Ed Brubaker. I really don't see anything not to like about this. Yeah. Lee Weeks is very underrated. Oh, absolutely. He should be a young gun. (laughs) (laughs) But he was. I think I made a mistake in waiting for the trade on the Cap stuff. And when I say trade, I, I mean oversized hardcover of the first, what is it? <laughs> you know, Winter Soldier is now in two volumes. They've released two soft yeah. 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 I should have been buying the monthlies on this. I lucked out because I picked up number one and I got the first couple and everything was fine. Then I think I missed an issue. After the first six, they had like the last days of Jack Monroe issue. I think the art was by um, John Paul Leone. And then I might have missed an issue. And then I got the House of M crossover. 
and then I was picking them up again, but I was able to go back and get the issues I missed, so I do have the run from the first issue to now. It's it's one of the books that I read when I get home. There are a lot of books that I'll put on the pile, and okay, when I get to them, I get to them, and I don't shuffle them around too often. I, I put them down in the order that I'm going to read them, but Cap makes it to the top of the pile every time. I was afraid to buy into another sort of Cap relaunch because... Oh, you had every right to be. Yeah, in the past... Cap has been really mishandled. I mean, for every Mark Wade that's been on the book, there's been 10 not-so-great attempts at writing the character, let's just say. Yeah. And I was afraid to jump on, but I shouldn't have been because we learn anything by experience. Brubaker doesn't let us down. No, my, not at all. Yeah, that's my fault. I should have been there. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Ed forgives you. Wizard World Chicago 2006. Yeah, it was. And she was, yeah, but she the was a mole. She that was would make sense. Oh, there you go. Wow. Should be right there. And Johnson's right there. But, um. The. Oh, now we're on. Oh. Oh, now there's four of you? Get back. Get some more. All right. <laughs> go get another one. Oh, we don't need one. I don't need one. I'm fine. Yes. Oh, baby. There you go, guys. You need it more than I already have. I got high five. Tell us about your day, Dave. We're recording. We're recording our own show. Are we? Yes. Get the deals. <laughs> um, the show was great. Very busy. Sold lots of books. Did lots of sketches. Nice. So Actually, how many did you get? You get a bunch of commissions from people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sold a bunch of the ones that I've done already, like the thing and the the goon one. Were there people that you knew or anything? Um, CGS, CGS listeners and around comics people who've heard around comics and. Uh, and a few, yeah, like three or four just out of the blue who were like, Oh, you sketch? Would you like to do sketch? Can you do sketch for me, please? Um, yeah, how'd that one guy like his uh, Sentinel sketch? Oh, uh, he liked it. He was very, actually, he was a real sweet guy. And uh, cool. it was Sentinel and uh, Harley Quinn, you know, I guess. Oh, that's, an, that's a crossover classic. I don't see him happen. <laughs> so, uh, it was, uh, it was good. I just... Uh, originally I was going to charge him 20 for it, and then it didn't take that long, so I just charged him the regular tap, and it was... Uh, you're by the hour, you're saying. What's that? You're by the hour? No, I was doing it by because there's two characters. I was going to charge him 20, but it didn't take that long, so I just did the tap. So I was saying... He's a sweet guy. He's a sweet guy, so... Someone's asking you for, like, an old 1940s original Batwoman? Uh, two people. <laughs> yeah, I saw you. No, I got one guy asking for it, and he dropped off a comic. That was yesterday... Both the guys came by, yes, and then another guy who was, uh, I think, a CGS listener guy. And he was like, well, Bat, the old Batwoman is my theme. He opens up his sketchbook, and it's, he's got like wow. a, a dozen of them. And he's like, I can't believe you're already doing one. I was like, I'll do another one, no problem. I only do one character per con. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just doing the old time Batwoman. Midnight, midnight. Is that the one? Is, the is that the one? She like a yellow and red costume. Yeah, it's like yeah. yellow and red. It's really goofy. Okay. She's, she's got a purse. <laughs> you need a purse. And all the, all the uh, source material. Like one guy had a comic, and the other guy had these printouts that he had made. And all the source material, she's just standing, just standing around, or like on Batman's shoulder, like, oh, you, you she's intimidating. You're so dreamy, but she's not doing anything. So I was so like, well, I'm going to... need a Batgirl. So I put one, and I was like, she's about to get into a fight. And he's like, you, you got the 
You, the fringe is wrong on her glove. I don't want this now. No, 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 you, you ruined his illusion. No, no, exactly. Yes. She's like, I want you to dismiss it, woman. Yeah, I want her standing there next to me, damn it. So I had her scrub on the floor. <laughs> oh, a real woman. That was Dan. Uh, yeah, that was Dan. I'm a chauvinist. I'm a pig. But it was fun. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I finally got out on the floor for an hour or so and got a just look around and see sandwich and chips there. and a little bitty Coke for oh, 10 bucks. Oh, and a deal. And the two hot dogs deal. and the chips for eight seventy-five or whatever. Oh, yeah. you didn't have the Coke, too. That's no, $2.25 or something do it. like that. No, I couldn't do it. I was like, oh, it's going to be like $12. Yeah. And that little cup of soda. It's like, I'm not even and it's just sitting money. there too, and it's like, I don't know, it's it's like can you fill the last inch, please? And if I'm gonna pay two twenty-five, can you move the dead fly from my? I can't show it. Either that or add more dead. Yeah, it's gonna be one or the other. Right? You, you gotta fill it up a little. That's Tom depressed me because I showed him two Jimmy Olsen comics. Both were gorillas on the covers. He didn't. And he didn't buy them. He's that's, shattering that's illusions. A, that's only a character he plays. That's a character he plays on the show. He's always a fake. Why isn't he always on this week? He's a fraud. He's a big phony. Yeah, he bought that one book that had gorillas and apes and zombies. Did he buy oh, that one? Bug one? The bug. Bunnies and bunnies, yeah. insects, yeah. zombies, robots. monkeys, aliens, robots. Woohoo! Look at you. That's like a I'm so sad. There was one story where an alien puts I'm laser funny. eyes on a rabbit and then the rabbit shoots oh. some redneck hunter guy with his laser eyes and turns the hunter into a gorilla. The hunter's claws are gone, and then he shoots himself in the That's head. so been done. <laughs> that sounds like one of Jimmy Olsen books I was showing Tom. Jeez. That's the one that we where you know where he's like, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah, you're now man and I'm wife. Not, I'm yeah, the tribal doctor. That was, that was gold, man. Are you guys really recording this trip? That was pure super, yeah. super dickery. Because this, this, this is, you know... We're left out. We're laughed out of the main room. So we're starting our own podcast, the Invention oh, Pod. This is like the, the Con Pod. Table. We're yes. going to hack his site. Yeah. It's, it's going to be called About Comics. Let <laughs> <laughs> everybody know that's a website, About.com. We can't uh, even do that now. Tell you, Con Pod, baby. Invention Podcast. Triple A Podcast. <laughs> Top on the list. Hey, oh. Comics. Yeah, Shelly. Hey, 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 another comic podcast. <laughs> Oh, right. That's what they say. I thought they put those asterisks, though. Don't they come up first when you do the search? It's Hell Days. Um, yeah, but it's a, like, who the hell is going to name their action? Any kind of responsible podcast? Backslash. Question mark. Whatever. Thank you for the beers, Dave. Hey, I know. See, he buys all those, sells all those sketches. He buys beers for his friends and acquaintances. And acquaintances. <laughs> I don't even like you guys. I know. Well, it's not like it's Mark. You know. I mean, it's he likes you. <laughs> no, I don't hey, know about that. Have you noticed your karma? I have. That's it keeps going up and that is, up. And I'm, oh, that's you? I tried, yeah, yeah, he keeps. And I, I've, I've had a couple dude, of times. You've got a thing going I on do. here. <laughs> Him and Mark and the whole thing. I have not touched you. I haven't touched you. Yeah, actually, six I hours. That's a long time to do I, that. I, I, I said like freaking once. It's a dark tower. I have a lot of why. Every six hours, I go and I do See what I did for you? You wake up at night? I appreciate it. Okay. See, no, I thought you know, like, 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 he's not even that like negative 58. I thought you liked that. That notoriety. It was I thought awesome. it was, yeah, it's like, you should have, like, look at this like, badass. You should have a t-shirt, Actually, like, t-shirt like, t-shirt like, worst format like, around Thomas Forum. Negative 58. If I had, like, if I was 
more stable in my self-esteem. Maybe oh, I wouldn't care. Right. It just bothered me. I, I started getting pissed off. So what the but it's not, you know, it's not even that my karma is increasing as your karma. See, exactly. <laughs> not on the damn board either. You're all going to be upstairs. I can feel my karma increasing right now. Hey! Oh! Hi-oh! David, why did you have to say that? That was David Price, everybody. <laughs> Randy. Filthy, filthy, filthy man. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so anyway. There's the karma. So we're going to edit this little part out right here. I'm sure. We, just, well, we, need, we need a bumper, so we'll, we'll hijack this. Is, this is the staring contest part of the audio podcast. You can't see us doing this. First one to speak what I'm loses. <laughs> Civil War War Crimes One Shot. Now, I'm hoping that this book will reveal why the hell Tony's doing this. We need to know more. Oh yeah, yeah. Tony, I mean, this we're not getting a lot from the, no. from the registration side. Tony's position needs to be fleshed out. That one little glimpse in the window in Civil War, I think it was two, where he was had that "oh, what the hell am I doing?" look on his face. That Maury did so well with the reflection of the buildings in the window, and I mean, that's not enough. We need to know why the hell Tony's going through all this trouble to do this. What's he got to gain from all this? It's true. And right. I, I love the uh, Captain America spotlight issue of New Avengers where the Falcon says to Cap, Tony's always been a sellout. You just never wanted to admit it. <laughs> you know, and that, and <laughs> when you think about it, that's pretty much true. When you're dealing in arms and munitions and, and high-tech gadgetry, you kind of have to whore yourself out to the highest bidder. I mean, there was that whole Armor Wars thing where he, he realized, you know, the, 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 the nasty business his technology was getting into, and he went back and tried to get it all. And, but Tony has always been pretty much a sellout. Yeah. So I, I, I just want, I need to know what he's thinking. Cover really isn't thrilling me too much. No, though. it's kind of lame. I mean, I, I've never heard of the guy. No, neither have I. But Saz Johnson interior should be pretty good. And it's got the kingpin in there. Oh, is that who that's supposed to be? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he had a collagen implant, too. <laughs> the better. Maybe, I thought it was the blob after Wanda took away all the mutant powers. See, they're suggesting that Tony may be his pawn. Dun, dun, dun. That was as subtle as a brick. Thanks, buddy. You bet. Daredevil 92. Ooh, good stuff. Yeah. Speaking of Ed Brubaker. I have the trade of Brubaker's run coming and I subscribe to uh, every issue after so I'm going to be catching up real quick on Daredevil I, I see a Marvel spotlight on the Devil in the Cell block D in the near future you bet talk that about was, worthwhile that, that, was, that was a fun read and, and this new story that with Matt and him doing what uh, what he's doing not ruining for anybody that isn't caught up he's uh, it, it, was, it was a neat story there was a nice little twist in it it was pretty neat and it's um I'm alone for the ride. I'm enjoying this story arc. I, I don't see any signs of stopping any letting up. Brew Baker's on, on a roll with Daredevil right now. Yeah. Ooh, and, and, and page 34. Yay! Oh, oh, so good. You know, if you can't see the back of her head, but if Davis drew Susie with a ponytail, I'm going to lose it all sorts of ways. <laughs> he draws beautiful people. Yeah, even even Neymar back there. He's got the swimmer's body. He's lean. Yes, yeah. he's, he's got the nice build, and he's just a myth that they only gave him half a page here. 
You but, think you know, half a page is better than nothing, and that's a sharp-looking image. Mm. You think we're going to see a Tuma? I think chances are good. Well, it is the future, so could be anything. It's, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Ghost Rider number six. I am so psyched for this. Richard Corbin Richard is one Corbin, one baby. of my all-time favorite artists. This guy's a master of color. Look how he uses yeah. the the cold with the hot. He's got the blue in the hands and the orange in the in the flames. The, the guy knows how to use color. Absolutely great stuff. Looking forward to this issue. Marvel should snag Corbin and get him exclusive like Jim Chung because they they have a boatload of titles that Corbin would just fit so well on. Actually, he did the banner miniseries that was included with the whole card cover. And that was great. And that was that was that was really good. I mean, the Azarello writing wasn't too bad, but the artwork was really nice. And Corbin also did the Cage miniseries for the Max line, mm-hmm. uh, again with Azarello. Even Luke Cage looked great in that series, and you know I am real interested in seeing this Ghost Rider. You know, it's, it's a two issue storyline, so um, I'm I'm psyched. Speaking of Banner, next up is Planet Hulk number one hundred and one. This book just keeps getting better with each issue. I the, the last one I read. Hulk goes up against this woman who's working for the Emperor, who's known as the Old Strong, and she can turn her body rock solid when she has to, and she can channel this energy. That's why they call her the Old Strong, because she can tap into this this reservoir of power, and she smacks the Hulk so hard, she knocks his armor off. Like, you could see the force just blowing his his freaking helmet off and his shoulder pad, his shield goes flying. He's, it's just, it's so much fun. And it's just pure chaos, every issue. And I think, I think that's what the Hulk should be. If I want that dichotomy with Bruce and the Hulk, I'll go reread the Peter David issues. That's right. Let them, let them do this for as long as they can. And then maybe later on down the line, we'll get that back. Okay. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm having so much fun with this book. So here's hoping it's an omnibus so I could finally read it. Oh, they said, I think they definitely are going to do Planet Hulk in an omnibus because it's only 14 issues. Yeah. That's kind of skimpy for an omnibus, but I'll take it. Even though I have the singles, I'll still buy this as a, a collected edition because I want it all in one chunk. Okay. And Ladron, Jesus, superb. Oh, his covers have been amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if Ladron wasn't so damn slow, I mean, he's a fantastic draftsman and he's amazing with color, but he needs to be on a monthly book. But the guy can't do it because he's just so slow. He's so meticulous that it doesn't lend its his style doesn't lend itself to speed too well, and that's a shame okay. because yeah. he could go down as one of the greats. Very, very true. How about Immortal Iron Fist? That's I'm a, so there. That's a cool image. We lost the writer. We went from uh, Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction to just Matt Fraction, which might work out nicely. I'm looking forward to um, seeing the, the continuation of the Andy Rand story. Matt Fraction can blow my mind in 16 pages with Casanova. What could he do with 22? I'm scared. I'm hopeful. I'm almost scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking this is going to be a sleeper hit. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about the Iron Man and Captain America casualties of War one-shot. You got to get it. I think it's going to be integral to Civil War. And speaking of integral, if if you're any way interested in Civil War and you're reading the, the miniseries itself, do yourself a favor and pick up Amazing Spider-Man and Wolverine. 
in terms of tying into the main stories, there's some information being dropped in Wolverine that are pretty much indispensable as far as understanding what the hell's going on in Civil War. I was stunned by it because they don't usually do that. Anything that's really necessary to understanding the plot usually is put in the main miniseries, but there was a bomb dropped in the last Wolverine. I, I just I couldn't believe it. I found out that I missed issue 45, the issue with him versus Namor on the cover. Mm-hmm. I went to the LCS and I got 46. So I had to write him when I got home. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm missing 45. So he's he's got that for me. So I can go back and read 45 and 46 and try to get caught up. And the stuff that went down in Wolverine, much like the main miniseries, is so close to what's going on in real life today that it's almost scary. The parallels with the Registration Act and there's... See, I don't want to reveal it because it'll blow a big part of the surprise for those who haven't read it. Let's just say there's a couple parallels that are really uncomfortable in terms of the current administration. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm enjoying Civil War infinitely more than that other big event that recently uh, ended. (laughs) It's just, it's real. The The outcome matters in terms of real human beings. You can wrap your head around somebody being forced to do something against their will. Right. In terms of a hissy fit by a cosmic, you know, neglected child, forget it. Who the hell can sympathize with that? It's just so far removed from reality. It's it, Marvel has it all over the competition with this miniseries. I think so. Yes. And I think... And I'm uh, not just saying that. Yeah, why would you? Just because the show focuses on Marvel stuff, you know. But we do slam them when they deserve it. Oh, absolutely. You like, want to uh, take Moon Knight? <laughs> like, on the, like on the cover of Moon Knight, you know. It's not even the cover. It, you know, this is the, the, this is a nice image of Ragman. i just not reading issue 8 yet, obviously, and issue 7, the first part of this, uh, of this story. I'm only up to issue 5, and... Uh, I... I want to like it. I read each issue going, I'm going to like it. I'm going to like it. And I don't know. I don't know if it's Charlie Houston. I don't know if it's the writer. The, the, the art isn't wowing me like I want it to wow me. So maybe that's on me. Maybe that's my fault. Maybe I'm expecting too much out of it. Things are just moving so goddamn slow. And, you know, try something different. You know, they're, you know experiment a little. Don't always think, you know, you got to have your full comic and, and so what if it's, you know, if it's taking it slow when it's trying to get to, you know, getting to the crescendo and there's a point behind it all. No, I, I'm all for storytelling and, and if it works, so be it. But this story, it, it's like, I, I, I don't, I, man, I just, you're at a loss for words. I really am. I, how about <sighs> this? I ordered the hardcover. <laughs> for for exactly that reason, if it stymies you to come up with ways to describe how bad this is, I want to experience that. I want to see what qualifies as bad for David Price. That's why I ordered it. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Finch, but, I mean, the guy can draw. There's no doubt about that. That is not a horrible cover. There's some no, no. It's there's not. some really nice line work. The cap is great, and I love the way they're working the clock in every one of these cover images. Yeah, that, that's a really nice graphic treatment. I like that a and, lot. And and Danny Mickey is doing a great job on the inks. Oh, he and, always does. And, and Frank Diarmada is doing the colors, and it's and see this book, and that's my major peeve with Captain America right now is lighten 
up just a little bit. I just, I want to see. It's like everything is so dark. It's like everybody's palette is set to like really dark. Well, it's no, not called no, Sun Knight. <laughs> That's fine on his book. But not everybody's in fucking dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some people are inside and, 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 you know, there was a scene in a restaurant. And, and But Captain America can, can be a little bit, you Ep- know. Yeah, Epting's pretty heavy with the with the blacks. He is. Yeah. But get, getting back to Moon Knight, it's moving slow. I'm like, I'm, I'm scratching my head going, the fuck did I just read? Taskmaster wasn't too bad in this issue, but the enemies of Mark Spector seem to be taken out of a Bond movie. They seem to be typical James Bond villains. Well, like, Spectre does have a Bondish quality to him. But there was, you know, Taskmaster was talking to Spectre in, in issue five, and I, I, I can't really go into it without spoiling anything. It was just something I just, I, I really did just, it's obvious he, his services go out to the highest bidder. If you're going to pay him, He'll do what you want him to do, and that's fine. And that's that's you know that's how he wants to work it. That's that's great, but it's just the whole, you know. I just I don't understand the way some of these characters. I, I blame a lot of it on the writing. I don't understand what these characters are doing. What these characters? I mean, I I just well, you run the risk of that by importing these entertainment people. You can scratch your head after reading Planetary. But there's a reason behind it. Ellis is like, Ellis gives you everything you need in that issue. And then if you want to go out and read some more, you can read what the gist of the uh, the backstory behind the, the main idea. Right. Research is um, very important. Absolutely. But there's, there's nothing like that in this. You, I'm getting so little for my money, I feel. And, and it's... It, I can't it wait to get this book. And watch, watch everybody just be like, what the hell are you smoking, David? I think I'm going to do... You... <laughs> I'm going to do a Marvel Spotlight on this. Okay. Wouldn't that right, be a, a train wreck? Yeah, because this way I'll have to reread them. And then to jump back a little bit. Like I said in the previous Marvel previews, I don't read Marvel Adventures Spider-Man unless Mike Norton's on the book. Because the book is not aimed at me. It's, it's aimed at new readers. But this Patrick Sherberger who did the cover... If they don't snag him and put him on one of the main Spider titles, they're crazy. We're just getting a little quarter of this cover. Everybody looks great. Goblin looks great. Both Hobgoblin and Green Goblin both look fantastic. I love the personality on display with this artist. He just seems to be having a lot of fun. Yes, it's a little bit in the Umberto Ramos style. So what? It's a nice style to emulate. And I think he's got his own thing going on there. I'd love yeah. to see more by this guy. Looks like I, I don't know if he inks his own stuff or whoever the inker might be, but the inker looks like he might have gotten influenced by uh, Terry Austin. I'm thinking that looks like Danny Mickey on the inks. I wouldn't be surprised. The man's everywhere. He's he, he's what you'd call a utilitarian. He um, he's the go-to guy. He really is. He's becoming that. Luckily, though, in, on this cover, you really don't see anybody's ankles, which is what we were noticing in the last issue. Yeah, it's a stylistic thing. You could, I can, over, I can overlook that for Spider-Man. New Avengers Illuminati, number one of five. Here we go. Bendis and Brian Reed, Mr. Chung again, doing what he does best. Not just the cover this time. Right. There's a reason why Jim's exclusive to Marvel, because they're wise enough to know when they have a killer talent on their hands. Yeah. And he's just incredible. Like you said, New Avengers, 
I, at the time, I think that was pretty much the best-looking book on the stands. Young Avengers. That's what I said. I know. I'm just <laughs> testing you. I just want to make sure you remember. Yeah. New Avengers. You are correct. Young Avengers. You said it again. Fucker. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you down when a you couple. When you drink? Yeah, when you down a couple too many Smirnoffs before you go on the air here. See, and I, I don't think I had enough Three Olives in my, uh, from Three Olives Vodka in my Coke. New Universal. I cannot wait for this. I was a big fan of the New Universe. Well, most of them anyway. Oh, Not- Merck, Merck was great. Yeah. Merck and, 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 and Justice. Mask and Justice. Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, man. Yeah, but thankfully you're leaving the shit one out, and that was Kickers. <laughs> I, I, I bought it. Don't ask me why. But Starbrand was my favorite. We Starbrand got was mine, followed a, by DP7. Yes, DP7 was a very good book. But we got a young John Romita Jr. on Starbrand, and he was still very good. And he, who did we have on Cyforce? Don't tell me. Okay. It's a very Neil Adams-y kind of art. Um, <laughs> was it Tex? Yes, it was. Okay. And he, he was pretty much emulating Adams back there, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was still a very good book to look well, at. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes. This is, this is where these guys, you know, cut their teeth. I'm very interested to see what Ellis does with the star brand. As with yes. Warren, I don't think it's going to be anything anyone expected. Most likely. I'm not sure if I'm real thrilled with the art team in the sense of the penciling, the rendering, and, and, and the coloring. Because the last page of the preview, I don't, I don't know if LaRocca didn't finish the character or the colorist took some liberties. Some of it just looks a little off. Mm-hmm. Looks a little washed in times. I, maybe it's me. I think that's all right. I, I it's kind of loose, but because I love- when you st- when, on the first page of the preview, it's a lot tighter. Probably calls for it. I mean, he's pretty much in the background. You know, I think we're supposed to focus on the dead guy with the roach on him. But all right, yeah, and and you don't know. There may be a big honking thought balloon or something there that You're right. the reason why he's pushed to the side. Like, yeah, I think it's all right. Um, is this woman supposed to be nude getting out of bed there does she have anything on yeah she looks like she's got a a top on big old mock turtleneck yeah Yeah, that's alright I'm liking I'm liking that a lot I don't and I'm not a fan of digital effects but I think it works there I love Salvador La Roca well I'm I'm on board because it is Ellis because it is the new universe connected I'm real intrigued uh you know what let's let's skip Onslaught Reborn Oh, but but come on, we gotta look. Look, isn't that isn't that Kip Winger wearing Thor's helmet and those huge ass wings? That's Kip Jarlson. <laughs> that is <laughs> the Odinson. Oh. Yeah, whatever. I <laughs> whatever. And oh oh oh, page fifty. Now see, here is where I'm hoisted on my own petard. I never thought it could be possible. It's probably I did. I said hoisted and petard. It's <laughs> probably a sign of the apocalypse, but that is actually a good Greg Horn cover. I really, really like that image. Well, it's fitting then what's written on the chalkboard. Yeah, I think it's awesome that you can. See, I mean, he obviously used acrylics on part of that because you could see the brush strokes in the back and the you know the raised paint with the shadow and the the warped building and it's it's I really like it. I like it a lot. Okay. I think the reason why it works so well is because he it doesn't feature She Hulk and that that neon lime green that he uses on her. It just and uh, that is a fantastic cover, Mister Horn. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. I I, I pissed well, on your other averages. You, I you, guess. You, yeah. I you, you know, knew enough. And that's right. Something's going to work. You put a a thousand monkeys in in a room with a bunch of typewriters, and they'll write the great American novel eventually. That's right. Yeah, I don't know who said that, but they said it. <laughs> Hey, Vince and David, just calling and let you guys know that you guys are doing a phenomenal job. This is Juan de Jesus, Waitel on the forum. Uh, Sean Whalen and, and Jim Seginen sent me over to the Bullpen's Bulletin podcast, as well as the Around Comics guys. And you know what? It's worth every single minute. You guys make my day go so much faster at work. And I really enjoy how in-depth and deep you guys go into discussion. Just keep up the good work. I really thank you, and I appreciate all the time that you guys put into it. Thunderbolts 109. Now, I heard that there was some kind of rumblings of discontent when they changed the theme of this book the first time with the whole Fight Club deal that they had going on and to do it again which is what i think they're doing with ellis and diodato with the supervillains i don't know if that's a good idea okay i i don't think they should have interrupted the flow of this book i think they should have created another series for ellis gotcha yeah leave fabian and tom on thunderbolts let them do their thing they're obviously getting good word of mouth i don't know how the book is selling but He's a fantastic artist. Fabian's pretty damn good at what he does. There's a vibe going to the book that this is going to totally disrupt. And I'm thinking the same thing with the Fight Club deal. It's not going to go over too big, and it, which is hard to believe. But you know, with Warren Ellis coming on board, which is pretty much an instant seller, I'm buying it. And I, I've, I've enco- shut up. I've encountered. <laughs> A bunch of people online who said, you know, I don't really get this book, but since Ellis is on it, shit, I'm picking it up. Not too crazy about their choice of artists, but we'll see. Yeah, see, that's that's what's making it bittersweet for me. I, maybe I'll be a wait-for-the-trade kind of guy. Maybe i got to see how Civil War ends to see if the characters, because we saw these characters at the end of issue four. So maybe seeing their role in Civil War and, and what else they're up to. Didn't Maury and Steve do an amazing job? On, oh, those, on that those, final those renditions, that was great. Taskmaster looked the creepiest I've ever seen him. Yeah. But again, Diodato's the reason why I'm not reading Squadron Supreme. Uh, Diodato's the reason why I haven't gotten any of the Amazing Spider-Man trades after the Ramita run, which AMS. Don't bother. You know, I just, I'm I'm not a huge fan of his art. And I, I'm, I'm interested, I said before that it's never really been about the, it, it, to me it should be about the characters you know I buy Spider-Man comic books I buy Captain America comic books I buy the Punisher you know it, it's it's the character it's not it shouldn't be the creator so much and even though they're all villains villains don't get spotlighted too often in their own ongoing comic book so it's nice to get that other side and I think Ellis can do that really well I just don't know if Diodato can draw what Ellis wants to say really well. Ellis has an amazing knowledge base that he seems this this limitless reservoir of just interesting concepts that he just keeps pulling out of his ass. I don't know how he does it. The guy is just one of the greats, and that is what's drawn me to this book, not the art. And it's going to be one of those 
instances where I'm just going to have to, you know, disregard the visuals and focus on what's going on with the story because I got no love for Diodato. His Hulk run does not look like his Amazing Spider-Man run, which didn't look like his Thor run. It's it's just, I, I don't know what it is. We should get him on here. Just talk to him. Yo, what if X-Men, Age of Apocalypse, Rick Remender's hot. He's got a bunch of good books out is there. He, is he good looking? Oh, that, that kind of... No, hot. Fear Agent and Sea of Red. These are all fantastic titles. This guy who's penciling it, Dave Wilkins, have you ever heard of him? I have not. He did a series for Dark Horse called El Zambo Fantasma. It was this Mexican wrestler, and it was very cartoony. His style is really reminiscent of John Crickfalusi from Ren and Stimpy and Bill Ray, who did the Hellboy Jr. special. Real crazy art. I'm I'm very curious to see what he does with the X-Men. This book could be a real surprise. So I ordered that one. I passed on the Deadly Genesis one. Yeah, I think I'm passing on both of them for now. Yeah, but it's nice to see What If making a little bit of a resurgence. What If was always fun. Yes, it was. You know, use them in Exiles, because that, that book is tailor-made for stuff like this. Okay. You know, rotating creative teams on Exiles, and we don't have to get Califiori in there every so often. That that would be <laughs> a big blessing. Okay, Diodato versus Califiori, who wins? Oh, Diodato by a, by a landslide. No kidding. Yeah. See, I think I'd have to go the other way. Really? Yeah, that's why if we did interview Diodato, it'd be a lot of, every time you'd say, David, what do you have to say? There'd be a lot of white noise. I really, I don't know if there's anything I could say to the man that, that, not that I wouldn't try to be complimentary, but... See, Califiori, in my opinion, doesn't have any finesse. His facial features all look the same. There's no dynamic quality to his art. It's just, it's almost, it's like that, it's got that Perez stiffness to it, where you you can't say... (laughs) Diodato stiff. It's just I don't. I guess I just don't like his style. That's stiff. But, okay. but you know, in terms of anatomy and and rendering and panel composition, Diodato's got it all over him. But once again, I could be wrong. That's just my opinion. I'm I'm going to save anything about Diodato right now for when I talk about the other. Okay. And I'll talk about the other later once I know Mike in Portugal has acquired the collected edition so he can read it because I don't want to say anything or go off on it yeah. and ruin anything for him. So we my don't... main beef is, is just is, is with the art, and that's all I'll say for now. Well, let's... Speaking of art... Yes, let's talk about some good art. Phil Briones, who did this White Tiger, this is really sharp. I wish they included a damn preview for the first issue last month. I might have ordered it. Exactly. I would have ordered it on the spot had I seen these pages back then, but they didn't. They just ran the David Mack cover last time, and I didn't order it. Now, look at that. That is really nice stuff. Yeah. And, and look, it's Daredevil. I wonder if uh, if he's a graduate of uh, Continuity Studios. There's, there's some of the... Um, You're right. Some of this is Neil Adams-esque. I see a little bit of Alan Davis in there with the Daredevil kick to the midsection on the top of the second and, page. And then standing over her, mm-hmm. going down, you kind of see that, that leanness to Daredevil. Look at the kinetic quality of that one panel where she's swinging the garbage bags. That's just, yeah. That panel sings. That's really nice. See, Marvel, you got to start giving some time to the uh, the mid-tier books because I would have ordered that. See, maybe this guy should be a young guy. He's going places. Phil, <sighs> Phil Briones. 
Speaking of someone who should be going places. You're looking at the Wonder Man image. What the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Wonder Monkey. <laughs> what is up with that jaw and and those biceps and the colors are pretty. I don't I Yeah. I don't know. And then um, you got Trinity standing over him ready to hack away at someone. Did not order it. I'm not going to. No. And it's five issues. It's Peter David, so you know it, And that's it's, what was killing me about it. That's a shoe in for a good time. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But I think the less said about that the better. Astonishing X Men. Now, I can't say enough about this book, and you probably are sick to death of hearing me talk about it by now, but do yourself a favor, get it. Yes, Whedon absolutely. is unstoppable. And my eyes, <laughs> Ex- Exiles 89 and the Exiles Annual. I mean, this, this Jim Calafiore leave the house. He's doing Exiles 89, Exiles <laughs> Annual, and New Excalibur 14. So you got... 32 pages for New Excalibur, 32 pages, well, no, let's just knock it down to what it really is. 22 pages for Exiles, 22 pages for New Excalibur is 44, and there's no telling, let's just say Exiles Annual is 36. That's a hell of a lot of work in one month. It's Jim Calliflori month at Marvel. It's all for you, Vince. Merry Christmas. But that Tom Rainey cover for the Exiles Annual, I guess that's a misprint because that ain't a Jim Calliflori cover. I'd know that. Rainey does good stuff. You don't read any stuff, do you? No, I don't. Not at the moment. You know what's going That'll on? That'll probably it? change. No, I have no idea what's going on. Well, you know who Blink is, right? Yeah, she was in the Age of Apocalypse, right? Yeah, that's exactly who that is. Okay. That big dude standing above her with the goatee and the blue and red? Yeah. That's Thunderbird. You know Mimic. That not look like Thunderbird. They'll, see, that doesn't look like the Mimic that I'm used to either, but I, I do believe that. Okay. I've, yeah. I've seen it before. Yeah. Morph to the right. From also from Age of Apocalypse, then the uh, orange-clad man with the little shock of white hair—that's Magnus. Who do you think his mother is? Rogue. You bet. And his daddy's Magneto. Okay. And crouching down there, you got Nocturne, who I think uh, you've heard of her father. Would it be Nightcrawler? Yep. That's Heather Hudson, buried next to Longshot. She used to be uh, Sasquatch, Power Princess's helmet. I don't know what happened to her. She's buried in there somewhere. Spidey 2099. Oh, look at him. Get up, Spidey. He's resting in a hammock. And they're all laying on top of a a saber-tooth rug. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be really cool. Old Exiles against New. Can't wait. Tony Bedard does fantastic work. If anyone is interested in his work and you're tooling through the quarter bins and you come across an issue or two of negation, pick them up. Excellent, excellent book from CrossGen. You will not be disappointed. You skipped over Cable and Deadpool number 35. Oh, boy. Well, we lost Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. We, we love you, Mike. Nice. Tell us how it is. That's a nice time rainy cover. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> almost New- as nice as the Califiori cover on uh, New Excalibur 14. Yeah, almost. Almost. Yeah. Not quite there. It's like Juggernaut's making omelets. <laughs> All right. New X-Men 33. Paco Medina just, I'm, I'm mesmerized by his art. I think he's got a very, very nice style. And unfortunately, I don't read this book, but I, I think that's something I'm going to rectify tomorrow. Tomorrow's Wednesday. It's new comic book day. 
31 comes out tomorrow. So what I'm going to try and do, our local shop usually keeps the last six issues on the shelves for cover price. I'm going to see what the hubbub's about. And if Paco Medina has been drawing this book, I'm in. That is some sweet, sweet art. Yeah, I just, I'm not real keen on the cover subject, so the less said for now, the better. Wizard World Chick Packed Out 2006. Alright, let's rock, rock these tits. You got another shirt? Let's do rock these tits. All the time. The ambient sounds the best thing about the podcast. I just don't mind it. It's a good thing. 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 It's a Pendle. Yeah, that's a great name. Jeff Johns rule. <laughs> cool, Jeff. Jeff Johns is Vince's hero. Kill him. Want me to load the gun for you? Uh, well, Dave, what are you trying to say? You want to I think we should move into the DC. Uh, can we bring the garbage can of beer out to the DC Con? Well, <laughs> see. <laughs> panel. See ya. I'll see you guys. Out to the lobby where all the people are. That's a good idea. Yeah, screw that. But there are no seats there. I pulled that seat for you, man. You want to leave? And I've been sitting in it, and I've been farting. I know. For like two <laughs> oh, at least you're silent. <laughs> we got a burn. Silent and violent. Those ones being absorbed by the cushion. <laughs> the, other, the other guy was calling Bud? Yes. 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 The, uh, the, the guy who you wouldn't expect to write a comic like that. Yeah, he's absorbed some beautiful stuff. Brian Hurts? Oh, it was Sammy. Oh, Sammy's amazing. Mm. No, no, her stuff's good, too. His stuff's no, but beautiful. I saw his stuff. Sammy, good, Sammy's inks reminds me of Farmer. Mark Farmer. Okay. Just the, I mean, the fluidity of it. Not there. fucking nuts. Fluidity. I love the fluid. I love the fluid. That's an ebonics man. The new Asian superhero. But Damn. Why am I fucking nuts? Because I mentioned Marty Farmer. What? Why am I... What do I care? I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we're throwing down now. Alone. Alone. That's where the bumper goes. That's right. And now for this. We got the music. We got the 35 minute. We got minute. the girl from Ipanema over here. 35 minute bumper. <laughs> this is going to be whittled down to like two minutes. Oh, damn. He's on my bad side. It's so light. 
honorary. Dave is just turning red. <laughs> Pretty soon he's going to be. I know, I feel like red is a beast. He's turning red. He's turning red. I'm just sorry. Speaking of covers, how about that segue? Woo, we're right in there. You'd about. Uncanny X Men 481. I'm not talking about the style of art on this cover, but I think I'm a pretty fairly easy to please guy. But there's one thing that infuriates me when I see What's it. That? And I, I think it's the most sophomoric thing an artist can do is to put their signature in a little frickin' box or piece of parchment or like a ripped piece of paper on the, on the cover. That just drives me absolutely crazy. And I'll tell you why. To me, that says that the identity of the illustrator is more important than the cover image. And I don't think anything should be more important than what's going on on this cover. That is so obtrusive. Look at that. And it, you see it with Liefeld with that friggin' rolled piece of parchment. You see it with Casada. Sometimes he does that that piece of paper thing going on behind his signature. You know, it was a problem with the image guys. I think they all did it. Silvestri does it. Yeah. It may be nitpicky, but that that kills me. If I were editor in chief, I would bounce that image back so fast to you know get your damn signature or reduce it, make it smaller. But you can't do that if you're the editor in chief and do it on your own images sometimes. Yeah, you got me there. But if you look at the one Wolverine image, the one with the uh, with origins or the, the yeah or, uh, the, one with the woman with the parasol and it's like a white image and the trade yeah the, he that's a classic Casada signature. Whereas if you look at the cover to. Origins number nine, you got that friggin' paper with the hole in it. Well, even the paper with the hole in it means, you know, the, the hole gave us some detail. It's unnecessary. True. You know, why can't he knock it down to the bottom in that shadow on Wolverine's muscle there and do it in white? You don't like it. No, I don't. I think it's there, it's compensation for a shortcoming, really. If you're noodling that much on your, on your signature, you know, <laughs> concentrate on the frickin' cover image. And then the box was made to accommodate Danny Mickey, the anchor, and it looks like if the, if the uh, colorist, if, if that's Frank the Armada's signature or initials, then the box, instead of just being for the, the penciler, you know, the box kind of got its own life, and, and you go from penciler to anchor to colorist. I mean, only, the only names that are missing are the letterer, the guy who created the logo, and the editors. Yeah, why don't they just let the printer put a little bug on the front, too? <laughs> just get get Quebecor to put their little logo there, too. Why don't you have everybody do it? Someone's you know? kid. No, it's just, Bring your daughters to work day, and they can do it, too. It's just smacks of, of first-year art school. That's It just kills me. Tom Rainey works it into the rubble on the front of Exile's Annual Number 1. You know? Chung. Yeah. Well, Chung on the front with the Captain America and Iron Man. Chung worked it into that little piece of rubble, but on the front of the Illuminati cover, that's pretty pretty blatant. Then I missed that. Yeah, okay. But it's right, at least it's, well, yeah, you're right. If you yeah, got to one, you got to yell at them all. And it's, it's still in the same color range as the background, so it doesn't scream like Quesada's piece of parchment there, or um, Liefeld's. And McFarlane was the worst with that little... It, it looked like one of the Dead Sea Scrolls was unraveling, and it had his name on it. <laughs> Jesus, give me a break. Concentrate oh, on the baby. image. Yeah, rubber stamp it if you have to. What do we got? X-23, Target X. The art is nice. 
can't say much about the writing yet because all I see are the, the sequential images and I'm assuming it's telling a competent story. I am not a fan of the character. Something about X-23 leaves a funky taste in my mouth. What really kills me is spikes coming out of the feet. It's pretty brutal. I mean, she's got it, one guy pierced in the face, looks like. Yeah, and then the other guy, she goes and hacks with her two claws in the next panel. It's it's a parental advisory comic. You know, it's going to be violent. That's fine. It's pretty. I like the artwork because Mike Choi draws her in, in, in a very attractive way. It's just, it's the character that I can't get into. So okay. I, I might I might end up passing this over, maybe eventually read it. But, you know, just something about X-23 just, just ain't floating my boat. Maybe it's the whole Wolverine connection, you know, like like we had that enough with with with, with Logan and and Creed and Sabretooth. You know, we didn't, you know, I don't know if they're related. I don't know if she's an offspring. I don't. Yeah, I, I definitely think she is. If not through reproductive means, I think she has some of his DNA. I mean, that's what I would guess looking at this. Yeah. Or she was passed through the Weapon X program in the same that's, manner. That's... Which is, some of these images are making me think that from the preview pages. Yeah, I don't know much about the character, but I didn't pre-order this, but I'll check it out, see what's going on. The art's a little soft and a little too finished for me. Okay. Most of the line is, is buried, what little line there is. It's it's all color, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's how a lot of the cross-gen books were. They were very... So you think, you think he basically lightly penciled the, the, the comic and the colorist did all the finishing? Uh definitely looks like it was inked to a certain degree. I mean, there's some line there, but it's very minimal. And yeah, the colorist is the is the real star of this show, I think. Okay. And is the cut... Co- well, you wouldn't know again. Sorry. They don't list colorists. <laughs> F- find out in a couple of months, kids. Yeah. X Factor 14. All I could say about this book is buy it. It's Peter yeah. David. It's fantastic. He's doing things with characters I never really cared about, and he's making them completely likable. As usual with Peter David, there's a, a humor to the book. It's a joy to read every month. Never lets me down. And you got Madrox pimping on more than one member. Yeah, at the moment, yeah. Which is all right. Hey, Siren alone would be enough. But to to throw M into the mix? Eee. You know, the real trick is if he can get them both at the same time. There you go. Then you're real play, yeah. I would read that. Well, I read it anyway. So, <laughs> X-Men 194. Speaking of signatures. Mr. Chris Bajalo. I'm going to say it like that from now on. Chris Bajalo. Maybe I'm just out of my mind, but when I look at his art, I think Hendrix. Because Bacalo uses all the standard conventions of comic book art and turns them on their end. Stands them on their head. You know, twists them in and out. He just he takes panel composition and does something totally unexpected with it. The way he draws anatomy is just so far removed from everybody else. His way of just storytelling, his f- stories don't flow like anybody else's. It's just he's so different that I just I think Hendrix when I see his work. That's how Hendrix was. He was you couldn't peg him. Okay. He he took the styles of music that he enjoyed and he made his own little language with it and I think that's what Bacalo's doing that's that's a, he's a he's a language all to himself it is unique I do love it I, I I really do like the covers yeah I could so see a collected edition of just Chris's covers yeah but the thing was the last issue of X-Men was a Clayton Henry fill-in issue 
and it was like smacking into a brick wall. Nothing against... Was that Uncanny or was that X-Men? No, that was X-Men. And when you go from Bacalo to Henry, it's like it's like jamming the brakes at 95 miles an hour. It, 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 it disrupts everything. And he did a, a good enough job. It, there was nothing really wrong with it. But when you got the first three or four parts of a story that's Chris, it's tough to follow that. What are you going to do? I can understand that. No, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, I love how detailed and how intensive his art is. But if that disrupts you from getting the book out on a monthly basis, maybe you should ease up a little bit. I hate to say it, but... Get get a couple more, start earlier. Right. Don't don't promote the run right away. Yeah. And the story was still great. So I'm really complaining about nothing. But I just like Bacalo's art so much that I would like to see him consistently produce a book every month it'll probably kill him there's there's no way a human being could do that day in and day out and not just get burnt out i'd, I'd be upset if you know if i was getting a steady dose of of, of bachalo and and then all of a sudden bachalo. you know sorry sorry <laughs> my, my bad of, of him of, of, of cb of chris getting him month in month out and then all of a sudden bam you know somebody completely different who whose style really doesn't mesh as well and it's you know jarring. I, I, yeah. It's very jarring. I, I believe it. It's like if if Stephen King farmed out a chapter of his book to somebody else. You know, oh, I wrote the first four chapters. I'm going to have somebody else do chapter five, and I'll be back for chapter six. It disrupts things, but it's the nature of the beast. These yes. These things are drawn by human beings, and human beings can only take so much. I guess it's something we'll just have to endure. How about that? Yeah, we can still complain about it, right? Well, of course. That's what we okay, do. all right. Okay, what, good, good. What's your opinion on this uh, Dable Brothers stuff? If it gets more people into this shop, if it gets Marvel more exposure, you know, I'm all for it. If it kind of squashes any of those comments, like comics are for kids, or who the hell reads comics, or what do you mean you read comic books, you know, and if it puts a, a limit to all that jibba-jabba, then I'm all for it. I don't think I've ever read anything by the Dable Brothers Real quickly, Anita Blake, the art's not horrible. I kind of outgrew this style. Brett Booth is a competent artist, and I believe I have the Backlash Grifter miniseries, or at least most of it. Although the Anita Blake character sounds interesting enough, maybe I'd buy the novels if I really wanted to find out about the character. I might flip through them if if I see them. Oh, wait, there's a Greg Horn variant. Come on. Yeah, you saw that, right? You gotta order this. I've never read a Laurel K. Hamilton book either, so I don't know where this stuff is coming from. The this art, Red Prophet stuff looks interesting. Yeah, the it, art, it sounds interesting. The art does nothing for me. I don't need to see all that all that midsection on that dude. That's just oh come on. No. But you're fine. You're fine. And and look, he's got the stitching on the leather pants, so you know he's not wearing any undies. He's got the frilly shirt, the poofy shirt, the poofy shirt. Yeah, no, nah, I just I'm skipping. I wear that shirt to work. I'm skipping on <laughs> this stuff is lost on me. But as you said, if it gets another segment of the population into the comic shops that normally would not venture there, then yeah, it's 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 good. I'm sure Marvel's not gonna lose any money on it. No, I wouldn't think so. But it, I mean look at it takes up a nice chunk of the catalog. You got, you got, you got Anita Blake, you got Red Prophet, you got Magician, you got Tolis or yeah, P. Tolis. And the Mike, Hedge Knight, hey, George R. R. Martin, and, and affiliated with Marvel again. How about that? They're not small, you know, it's not small-time writers. These guys are big names. No. Raymond Feist in Omings doing the adaptation, I guess it's a worthwhile endeavor. I just, I'm not, I guess I'm not the target. 
Pencils and covers by Brett Booth. Wow, he's doing like, is he like the Devil Brothers artist? He's the Jim Calafiore of the Devil Brothers imprint. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, um, I have no idea what you people are talking about right now. David mentioned uh, what the podcast was going to be about, but um, right now I don't remember and I really can't be bothered to go and find out. Um, I don't want to take a lot of time. Uh, I just want to say how psyched I am that Alice is on Thunderbolts. I'm a big Alice fan, um, but then again, who isn't? Um, yeah, so um, it's a good day here in Portugal. Um I'm living this message the same day we learned about North Korea's new test, so the good day comment is pretty much in reference to the weather. Uh, anyway, uh, if you, uh, you know, you're out there listening in right now and you're bored, um, I wanted to give you a few other um, podcasts that you can uh, try and um, and hear. Uh, you know, uh, starting with. <laughs> That's just to name a few. Uh, so, you know, guys, great stuff, uh, I guess. Uh, I don't really know, but I'm sure it's good. Um, keep up the good work. Keep up, you know, podcasting, making my day a little less boring. You know, keep up with the great conversation, the great insight, and uh, I'll keep hearing. Bye, guys. Avengers Disassembled Hardcover. I, like I said, I'm not the biggest Finch fan in the world, but that's a really strong image. I've just, I've seen it so many times because it was the cover of issue 500, I believe. Maybe it was 503. It was the cover to the, to, to the trade, to the softback. It's the trade to the hardcover now. I've just, I've seen it enough times. I, I know the cover. I picked up the trade for half price. It if this had more than just the Avengers storyline, if it had more than just the Avengers issues... Yeah, you're missing a big chunk of Disassembled. There's still Thor, Cap, and Iron Man, and... Fantastic Four. Well, the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man weren't really... I have the Fantastic Four single issues, and nothing really jumped out at me as far as how it was connected to Disassembled. Only as far as I know, the Spectacular Spider-Man issues were there because because this was before Spidey was an Avenger obviously but Captain America makes an appearance and and I think Nick Fury was there as well so again I'm not sure what the connection was to this assembled theme at that time either so there was six all together and the Captain America one was nice because that also had some issues of Captain America and the Falcon by Priest and Bennett the Thor was great because those were the last five or six issues of the last Thor series and that had great DeVito artwork, and that was written by uh, Michael Ivanoming. The Iron Man had a couple different artists, and I still actually have to read that one. 
and and the Avengers one was I wanted to read it. I wanted to see you know what the whole what the hubbub was about, and you know I didn't I didn't close it going God why did I just put myself through that? It was it, it was a decent enough story. I don't know if it deserves to be a hardcover collected edition right now. That's a really nice Captain America, lantern jawed. He's got he's oh, got... Finch does a nice cap. Yes, he does. He does better with men than he does with women. Because I'm not thrilled with that She-Hulk or that Scarlet Witch. I don't mind the She-Hulk. I think that's pretty nice. But that one uh, segment of Disassembled where she, she went ballistic, yeah, yeah. that was really neat. That that was actually scary. The, it uh, was. You're the, right. The, the, the fury that he, he put into her eyes. and I, I thought that was very well done. We got the Marvel Masterworks Avengers Volume 6. It does not get too much better than John Buscema. If it does, it's probably drawn by Jack Kirby. But <laughs> they're a worthwhile investment if you don't have those issues. I have them. And they're, so. a, lot, and they're a lot cheaper than if you were going to try to get the issues. Oh, by far. Yeah. No, that's a, a nice little uh, 51 to 58. Good stuff. Roy Thomas, I would say, if not at the top of his game, then real close. And look at that. On page 92, it's Marvel oh, Visionaries. John yes, Buscema. Very nice. Hardcover, oversized. I'm thinking that's going to be on my shelf. See, Actually, you know what? That's my pick of the month. See, whenever they release a Visionaries, I always scan the, the lists of issues that appear within the book. And the only issue I don't have in this whole collection is Crime Fighters number four. I have everything else. So it's like. But do you have it oversized? No. <laughs> Are you sure? See that? That's not a. I don't. I don't need it oversight. Well, it would be nice. Yeah, I guess. Nice new crisp printing of of those classic issues. But I I had to hold off on that because I did order the Runaways Volume Two hardcover. Ah. Yes, and that will no doubt be a, a subject of a future Marvel spotlight because I have to eat crow on this book as well because initially I didn't. I bought the first issue, and it did absolutely nothing for me. I don't know if I, was in the, I wasn't in the, the right frame of mind or didn't give the book a chance. I recently bought the first three digests, and I'll tell you, this is a fantastic series. Originally, I put the book down on the terms of, I don't need to read another teen group. This, I could never identify with any of these kids. I'm 41 years old. Their motivations will be totally lost on me, but... When you get to the core of this book, I think it's something that everybody can understand. These kids have been lied to. Okay. Their parents pulled the, the rug out from under them. They thought the, the authority figures in their lives were being truthful with them. I mean, you don't second-guess your parents because they're, they're your parents, and you think right. they're, they're, they're acting in your best interests. But You learn from their experience. When, when you have the, your, your whole status quo turned upside down these kids have been deceived and they're actually on a search for truth they, they want to know what's the meaning of this whole existence here i think that's pretty much something everybody can understand sure and it's got a whole rebellion vibe to it questioning authority and if anybody takes into account the current political climate in this country i think this book would not be lost on them yeah it's it's something something to get into and I, I ordered Volume 1 from the Bullpen Bulletin's Bazaar. Why don't that you tell be, them a little bit about that? The Bullpen Bulletin's Bazaar is available through bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. 
click on the bullpen bulletin's bizarre link on the left. It will take you to our Amazon store where you can do a search for books. You can uh, check out what uh, what Vince and I recommend. You can order it right from there. And if you frequent Amazon UK, feel free to click on the UK boutique link. And for our friends north of the border, we have the Canada Galleria. So all are associated with the respective Amazon stores. So uh, everybody's nuts. And I mean, let's be honest, with every item sold, we get a little bit of dinero. There is a referral. Any, any monies that we receive from any sponsors, any affiliates, any, any programs like the Amazon store goes right back into the site, goes right back into the show. Yep. So um, it keeps the site afloat. It keeps the podcast published. And it helps us to do what we want to do for you guys. So I did order... Runaways Volume 1, mostly because of Organic Matters nudging. I'm really looking forward to that. And because I did order Volume 1, I will be ordering Volume 2. Makes sense and, to me. But you're right. I think we'll go through uh, the first volume. I think that was, what, 18 issues? We'll probably do a spotlight <laughs> on... Uh, uh, well, maybe not all eighteen. <laughs> that that'll be our first four-part show. Thank you. Yeah, great. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to Runaways, and it's it's fantastic under Brian K. Vaughn, and I think it will continue to be under Joss Whedon because, as we've seen, Whedon likes to work on a bunch of different levels, and that's a perfect book for him to do that. And their kids, so which is right up his alley. Yeah. They have a Wolverine hardcover that has the uh, Chris Claremont, Frank Miller miniseries back when Frank actually tried. <laughs> so that, that may be something to get. But it's not, it's not just Frank Miller. It's also Paul Smith. And from that great run of Uncanny X-Men, what numbers of Uncanny X-Men did? <laughs> 172 to 172. <laughs> that was Ooh, great. Slow down. <laughs> that was good stuff. I'm surprised was, they can uh, fit all that in that book. That must be, what, a panel and a half? I remember the Paul Smith issues of um, Kenny X-Men with, with Wolverine and, or Logan and, uh, and Mariko. And it was good stuff. And it did, I think it did tie into the, uh, to, to the miniseries. I think that now more than when they were first coming out. I don't think it was, uh, it was quite so obvious to me in my, in my young age. And I, to- I wish it was oversized, though. Yeah, you like the oversized, don't you? I think I'm starting to. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna invest in the hardcover, then yeah, I think I wanted a little. I've never really been one for collected editions. I like my single monthly issues. I buy the comics when they come out. I like first printings of of my comic books. I'm really not a big second or third printing guy. And if I'm gonna buy a collected edition, then give me something a little bit different because I finally received actually last Thursday or Friday, Marvel Zombies came in. And, uh, and that was ordered from the bazaar as well. I ordered that and the Ultimate Marvel Team-Up Ultimate Collection trade. And the, the Marvel Zombies is, is pretty nice, all all oversized and, and this cute little hardcover. And yeah, you'll devour I that like in, it. in one sitting. Much like I'm some of the characters in the book. You're just going <laughs> to rip that sucker apart. It is fantastic. A lot of fun. And to coincide with Warren Ellis on New Universal, Marvel is releasing a collected edition of the Star Brand, Volume One, collects issues one to seven. It's twenty. It's twenty bucks for one hundred and seventy-six pages. Now I think 
This has to be the most these issues have fetched in a long, long time. <laughs> I've seen these in every quarter bin in the tri-state area. But that doesn't mean they're not good. It's an excellent run written by one of my favorite writers, Jim Shooter. Yes, not just a great editor-in-chief. A fantastic writer as right. well. And if you flip the page, you get my pick of the month. The Giant es- size? Oh, yeah, The Defenders. Essential Defenders Volume 2. Oddly enough, which contains the Guardians of the Galaxy issues of Defenders that I talked about last issue. This contains Gerber's Giant Size number 5 and 26 to 29, along with a bunch of other stuff. You get Giant Size Defenders 1 to 5 and Defenders 15 to 39 by, at the time, Marvel's best talents. Steve Gerber, Chris Claremont, Len Wein, Bill Mantlo. On the art, you got Sal Basima, Klaus Janssen. Well, we'll skip uh, Oh, man. You know, Mike Esposito or Frank Giacoya. Jim Starlin, Gil Kane. Let's skip that one. Don Heck, Don <laughs> Newton. It's just a fantastic collection. I think the essentials. Oh, damn, Don Newton. Yeah, the essentials I are the best bang you can get for your buck out of Marvel. I think I'm going to have to order. The- Actually, you know what? I think I'll order them both. I'll order Volumes 1 and 2 because I never picked the Volume 1 yet. I don't think there's any Gerber in the first one, but that's not a prerequisite. I mean, you order it because they're fantastic stories, but, you know, Gerber's my man when it comes to Marvel. Yeah, I got that feeling. (laughs) I should learn to express myself a bit better. (laughs) At the time, Defenders was probably Marvel's most overlooked book, which gave the creators the luxury of trying things that wouldn't float in, say, Fantastic Four or Spider-Man, the stories are very off-kilter. I mean, the team is off-kilter to begin with. And any team with the Hulk, you you know, you're talking blazing a path that hasn't been traveled too much in the past. The Surfer, Doctor Strange, they all work really well. We got a a nice poster of The Dark Tower by Jay Lee, which was... You know, you want it. ...pretty much saved by Richard Isenov on the colors there. (laughs) It's not a great image. I've read the novels... Up to Song of Susanna, and I think it's Stephen King's best work. Wow. But to see um, Jay Lee doing the art, I don't know. That's a door poster, too. Yeah, that's just great. And then you get, (laughs) on the next page, we've got the New Avengers Illuminati poster. Why could they not have made a poster of the cover? This Captain America Iron Man thing, that would have been just a must-have. As it is now, this is a kind of sort of have if you got the money, but, you know, maybe not. The eye on uh, Doctor Strange there, that, that looks pretty good. I think Chung captured the personalities of the characters very well, and it's tough to do with somebody in armor and a mask, but Namor's pretty much cocky Namor's as all got hell. got the arrogance, yeah. Yeah. Professor X is a little mysterious, which fits him. Reed's kind of detached. I don't want to be here. I got experiments to do. <laughs> My you wife got, left me. You got a. Li- <laughs> <laughs> you got Doctor Strange, who has a little bit of the pompousness and bon vivant that Doctor Strange <laughs> has. I don't even like French. And, and maybe something in his eye. It's, see, a, I, it's a nice image. I see some Gil Kane in that Professor X. Mm, I don't. No, around the eyes. No, I think the the Kane. I see a little bit of McNiven in that that Professor X, but. Not too much. Uh, it's all basically Chung. I don't see anything, but the, the bolt is the weakest part of that. 
Only, eh, it's that tuning fork. That's way too small. Maybe Bolt was swimming, you know, and he got a little bit of shrinkage. <laughs> it was cold. Yeah. Other than that, it's a fine image. Well, that wraps it up for this previous catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this will be coming out in December, but we will be back in November to talk about the items that are shipping in January. We should give a shout out to our buddies over at Around Comics who will be celebrating their fiftieth episode this Friday. Oh. Congratulations to them! No, this Saturday. Exactly this Saturday. That's right because of the Chicago Minicon that we can't make it to. Right, Chris, Sal, Tom. Mark Tower. How'd you like that? <laughs> that was sweet. Wasn't that good? <laughs> that, that was smooth. Red-headed stepchild John Suntress, Dave Wachter. <laughs> the fifth Beatle. Norton. Just everybody associated with the show. You got to give kudos where it's well-deserved. And Chris, Sal, and Tom do a fantastic job. Week in, week out. I just love those guys. I'll be around for the next 50 and the 50 after that. And until they stop doing it, I'll be there. Yeah. Well, someone's got to look after us when we go out to Chicago. We left our dog collars and leashes back there, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Mm. And the drop cloths, that plastic sheeting we left. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, you know, mail them to us. We need them. Well, partner, that's it for this episode. What do you think? Well, I think we did all right. I'll be back next we, week. You going to be back next week? I have no choice. I, I love what I do. And you do it so well. You like Wolverine. But not as hairy. No, I am as hairy. Yeah, well, you, that's the Italian. Uh, I could do a good Wolverine. I bet. I just don't have the hair. I'd have to have the wig. Steal it from Hugh. Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should do Ricardo Montalban again. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll save them from that. To I'll, I'll, you know. All right. Well, from Vince B. And from David. We shall see you next week. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye.